This is the Iowa State Athletics Sidecast. This Sidecast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Visit any Van Wall location today to test drive the full lineup of John Deere compact utility tractors with the power and versatility to conquer anything this season. I'm John Walters. Today's Sidecast is a visit with our Cyclone Radio Network analysts, Eric Heft and Ryan Harklaw. We'll take a look back at last Saturday's terrific win over TCU and take a look ahead at this Saturday's challenge at Cincinnati. Should be a terrific game and Iowa State trying to get to 3-1 and one in Big 12 play. We hope you'll enjoy the insights of Eric Heft and Ryan Harklaw. All right, guys, this is Iowa State's opportunity to go on the road into Cincinnati for the first time in school history and try to find a way to beat this Cincinnati team, which has been very tough to beat at home through the years. Now, they've struggled and lost a couple games at home this year, but really unique challenge. And a smaller stadium where the fans are going to be right on top of you, it's going to be loud for sure. I'm excited about seeing how Iowa State handles this challenge on Saturday. How about you guys? Always excited to see the Cyclones uh, take the field, and especially in a new environment. I, I think going to Cincinnati as the Bearcats try to get their their first Big 12 conference win. It's homecoming. It's going to be a big deal to them. But I like the maturity Iowa State players are starting to show gelling as a team. And I, and I really think if Iowa State can avoid the mistakes, they have a, a great opportunity to get home with a win. They do. And, and with a young football team, you know, one of the things you got to try to learn to do is win on the road. You know, and we're not going to be back to Ames until November. And so these next two games, obviously the bye week in between them are the two road games. And they got to learn to win on the road, you know. And it's, it's, it is a tough thing to do, and it's something you learn how to do. I think it's something you actually appreciate and you look forward to as you grow as a team. You know, as, as you become older in your career, you do enjoy going into that hostile environment and playing and disappointing everybody in the stands. But I think these next three weeks are big for the Iowa State football program and the growth of them, just the, how young they are and learning how to get that road win when everyone's against you. And, you know, you mentioned, Eric, avoiding mistakes. You know, statistically, this is a really weird Cincinnati team. I mean, they're top three in the Big 12 in total offense and total defense, and yet they're sitting there at 0-2 in the league. And you ask yourself, well, how has that happened? It's It's been mistakes. It's been turnovers that have been really, really costly to them. So I agree. I think this is a game, and we always talk about this, but I think more than any other game, maybe this one, it's true. You look at Iowa State, 4 nothing in the turnover margin a week ago, plus blocking a punt. I'm not saying you have to go do that to win at Cincinnati, but if you can win the turnover battle, I think it, it really improves your chances of getting a win here. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the numbers just in the conference, the conference game so far, you know, the team that wins a turnover battle has won almost every single one. So, I mean, it, it's really huge, and it's a Cincinnati team that can turn it over some. But for the most part, you know, when Iowa State doesn't turn it over, they have a chance to be really effective and like a lot of teams, but we're seeing the emergence of, of that run game. There are a couple stats that really stick out to me, you know, for Iowa State. Iowa State hasn't had a fumble all season long, and I'm knocking on wood as I say that for sure. That's a heck of a stat right there. And once again, as I look at Cincinnati, they're so aggressive defensively. I mean, their front seven, they're going to attack. They're going to come at you from a lot of different angles. Uh, which certainly exposes the back end, but they're the type of they're the type of team I think can really force fumbles simply because they can get to you and they fly to the ball uh, very well. I'm really impressed with that the front seven uh, of the of the Bearcats. Yeah, you look statistically at them. You know, one of their games because they came off of a bye when they're on two is Oklahoma, who I think is the the 
cream of the crop this year in the Big 12. I think they've proven it. They When they went to Texas and beat Texas, who I think is also a tough football team right now. And not at Texas, obviously, the Red River rivalry at the State Fair. But one thing that you look at with this game is back to that turnovers. Last week, I believe it was the teams in the Big 12 won, that won had 14 turnovers created. The teams that lost had two. You know, and it, it does come down to that. It just adds possession, adds field position, adds momentum. You know, those things just go so hand in hand. If you think about the two turnovers we created early in that game last week, they were driving both times. I think the one interception happened about the 20 yard line. When Bo took that ball there, they were going, they were going to get points on the board there, three or, or, or seven, most likely. And so, you know, it was a big time play that changed the momentum of the game because TCU did come out hot. You know, it's always one of those things you look back at the end of the game saying, wow, we had a, we won by a lot. It was really relatively easy for us. Well, no, there's some key plays in that game that switched that momentum. And that's one of them. Even, I would say that first drive, keeping them not, to no points on that first drive was such a big part of that game. It was. And, you know, yeah, sometimes turnovers lead to points and sometimes they just end the other guy's possession. And, and that was a bonus in that first half for sure. Today's sidecast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Van Wall Equipment and John Deere are proud to support Iowa's farmers in the field and Iowa State Athletics on the field. And you look at Cincinnati guys, they're going to try like crazy to create turnovers. Eric mentioned how good they are up front. I agree with that completely. And their defensive coordinator, Brian Brown, when he was at Louisville with Scott Sattersfield a year ago, they led the nation with 50 sacks. So they're going to really try to create pressure, come after you, and so here's a really great challenge for that offensive line, which has protected Rocco really well and allowed only three sacks. And it's a challenge for Rocco as well. But this is a chess match and kind of a game within the game. How much pressure can Cincinnati get? And in turn, does that pressure lead to some turnovers? Well, it can both lead to turnovers and it can lead to big plays for Iowa State offensively as well. Uh, there's going to be a lot of one-on-one -on -one matchups. And Rocco, if given the time, can hit, whether it be Jalen Knoll or Jaden Higgins or Daniel Jackson or someone out there. I think there are some really big plays, you know, that could happen that could, that could result, you know, in touchdowns. But you're right. The offensive line's done a great job of protecting Rocco. But so much of that is also on Rocco. I mean, you look, his completion percentage is good, but I, I, I think sometimes it's lower because he's not afraid to throw the ball away. And I think that's part of the maturity that he's showing. It's like, you know what, don't take a sack. It's second and eight, you know what, a sack, and, you know, and it's third and third and 15 and, you know, very limited opportunity to get the first down. You throw it away, you still have a chance, you know, and I think, you know, his ability to avoid that initial rush, not that he's going to be a tremendous running threat, but he can, but he moves well enough and he can get out and make a play down the field. So I think it's been a combination and he's going to be challenged probably as much as he has in any game this season in terms of taking care of the football, avoiding the sacks, throwing the ball away, or finding that big play opportunity against that defense. Eric, I completely agree with you. When you look at the Oklahoma game, I had a chance to watch that again this week. And when Oklahoma played Cincinnati, they had Dylan Gabriel completely frustrated in that game with pressure. Yeah. He didn't know where they were coming from. They were sacking him. I mean, he was making bad throws because of that defense. And, you know, I would say that's the worst game we've seen out of Dylan Gabriel, who, you know, we all know what he can do because what he did to Iowa State. And a lot of it's going to come down to Rocco on Saturday. I completely agree. And that's what I got out of that game and watching against Oklahoma. If they're going to bring pressure, he has to make good decisions. And this is going to be a really big step forward for for Rocco, like this is probably going to be the most pressure he's going to see all year so far. It is coming from this group here. So it's going to be 
a lot on his shoulders on Saturday and, and what the decisions he makes. And one of the big steps we've seen Rocco take, and Matt Campbell talked to us about this Tuesday night on our coaches show, but also he talked to Eric and I about it on Wednesday. Rocco's ability to say, you know what? TCU has really good corners and safeties. I'm not going to make a throw that they can go intercept. I'm going to throw it. And if, if Jalen Noel can get there or Jaden Higgins can get there, great. But they're going to be the only guy that has a chance at the football. And I think, you know, for a redshirt freshman quarterback to be at that stage where he's making those, I mean, I think Matt was more impressed by his incompletion sometimes than he was with his completions <laughs> because <laughs> he was making the smart play. And that is that is such a big step for a young quarterback. I love that he's that he's getting to that point. You know, and I think one of the things, too, through game experience, I'm making an assumption here, but I believe it to be accurate. His ability to see the field in pre-snap reads is putting him in a situation, you know, and that's a maturity thing, an area where he's growing. And I think he's really grown leaps and bounds in that area. It's the same thing that Brock pretty, I mean, I hate to keep, comparing those two, but it's one of the reasons why Brock Purdy's having this great success he's having too, his ability to know where everybody is prior to the snap, what what he can expect to see coming, and then the ability to react to that. It is, and I told Rocker this after the game, right before we interviewed him, we interviewed him in the locker room after the game, I said, Bud, I think some of your best work today was getting rid of the ball and throwing it away. Your completion percentage was not great, actually, against TCU, but it was the right thing, and it's, it, it saved the team, and that's really going to be key this Saturday. Like, it's just more than ever. Like, there's going to be times where he just needs to sling it, get over, and start over again because they do bring that much pressure. So that old line's been good and been a lot better recently. I think they've really been playing some good football right now. But with only three sacks this year that they've given up, Rocco is such a big part of that because he's not putting pressure on that old line to protect him for a long period of time. And, you know, again, this Saturday is going to probably be their biggest challenge of protecting him. One of the things, too, John and I were talking to, to Coach Campbell about was, first of all, you got Brendan Black, a freshman in there, his physical nature, and he's done a good job in pass protection. But James Neal is a guy, he's been a little bit maligned because people see, man, he's not a, hasn't been a great run blocker, but he's getting better. But he has such quick feet, and he is he's become an elite pass protector, too. And I, and I think he's been shortchanged a little bit by some of our fans because he really has been playing. He's been playing really well in pass pro all year. But he and Tyler Miller both have done a great job there at those tackle spots. But his ability and, and everybody's ability to be a little more physical, a little better at the point of attack and running the football, certainly gives Iowa State's offense a much greater chance. Yeah, and Eric, I would add to that with another – kind of subtle change that Matt Campbell and Ryan Clanton made within that offensive line. And Hark, maybe you can jump in and talk about how this might have helped things on the whole. But, you know, he switched Jared Hufford. When he started playing Brendan Black, about three games ago, Brendan Black started playing a little bit. Now he's a starter at right guard. But when he put Brendan Black in, he put him on the right side and moved Jared Hufford over to the left side so that Huff was next to James Neal to provide him maybe a little bit more experience next to him because James is a guy that hasn't played a lot of football. And, Hark, I think that's really made a, a significant improvement in the entire offensive line to have those guys in the right spots. It does because it also helps Brendan Black, who's next to Tyler Miller, who has some experience. You get Hufford over to the left side there with James Neal, who has less experience. So you have experienced guys next to the guys that don't. I mean, Jim Boniface is a brand new center. I mean, he's not, he doesn't have a ton of experience. And so you're trying to spread that experience out across the line because communication with that offensive line is so important. 
You know, it's about knowing where to go. And if you have all your experience on one side and the other side, that's all inexperienced and they don't communicate properly, you're, you're busted. I don't care if you put everybody on the right side with your best two linemen on the right side with experience. If your left side doesn't work, it's game over. And so just having that experience spread out across the front is so very important of where you're going to go with, with blocking and communication. But the old line, communication is about as much as executing because you may not even be right on the call when you communicate. But if all five of you go in the right direction or on the right call and doing the same thing, you give yourself a chance, even if the call is not correct to what the defense is doing. If you make the right call and half of the people follow it, you don't have a chance. And I think that's the biggest part of, I think, why he split them out is making sure that group is communicating with Tyler Miller on the right and, and Hufford on the left there. When it comes to quality, comfort, and exceptional style, insist on the authentic brand label. Embrace authenticity in your wardrobe with authentic brand collegiate and corporate branded attire, the favored choice nationwide. Well, let's flip it over and look a little bit at the defense, guys. And obviously, you know, we talked about trying to create some turnovers. Iowa State's been very good in that area. They have 10 interceptions on the season. And maybe that's not too surprising because we love this secondary coming into the year, and they're the ones that, get, that are getting the bulk of the interceptions. But obviously, all 11 guys contribute to that. But, man, I love the, the playmaking ability on the back end with Jeremiah Cooper and TJ Tampa and Bo Freeler and Malik Verdon, Miles Purchase. There's a lot of guys making plays on that back end. And it's got to be a little bit scary right now if you're an opposing quarterback to put one up in the air with those guys hovering around. And Emory Jones is a guy that, that certainly has thrown some interceptions. He's an experienced guy. One stat that, speaking of experience, he started over 20 games at Florida, at Arizona State. He took his first snap at Florida before Brock Purdy ever took a snap at Iowa State. <laughs> and so just to give you a little perspective, and I'm sure the same was true with Dylan Gabriel last week. You know, So Iowa State's been playing some guys that do have a ton of experience, but at the same time, there's a reason why he's been at three schools. But they may fear our secondary, but they want to run the football. First and foremost, I mean, and Iowa State's expecting them to try to run it up more than 40 times, which is, you know, they're averaging more than 40 rushes per game. And you got good tailback, especially in Corey Kiner. And once again, a running quarterback in Emory Jones, he's averaging 56 yards per game on the ground. So they're going to test Iowa State's run defense, which has not been great, not up to what Iowa State standards have been the last few years. So to me, that's that's a big challenge. You know, and one of the things I think led to Iowa State's win last week was you had a quarterback who's a dual threat guy in Chandler Morris that Iowa State took his run game basically away. If they can do that against Emory Jones, once again, that that would be really huge to the outcome because they'll run him, they'll run option, but they'll they'll run quarterback draws, they'll run plays, those third down plays where the quarterback keeps it on his own read. Iowa State's got to have an answer for that. But if they do get them behind the chains, then that brings that secondary uh, Iowa State strength into play much more. You're 100% right, Eric. And you look at BYU, he rushed for 94 yards. At Miami of Ohio, he rushed for 101 yards. Oklahoma held him to 42, but a lot of that was sacks. They brought a ton of pressure on him, and I think that's where they put a ton of pressure on their offense is, is what they did with their blitz package that game. I think we've seen it. I would expect us to bring a lot of pressure on him to try to contain him in the rushing game alone because I do think the back end of this defense can hold up. And when you look at all these interceptions, I think Coach Poteet is maybe one of the biggest impacts on this you know, with, with intercepting the ball. And, and when he got here, he talked about this is, 
you know, I see you guys knocking the ball away, but you're on the field, go catch it, go get it, make a play on the ball. And what I've seen a difference with him on the staff from one year ago to today and having him here and his NFL experience, when that ball's in the air, our guys are going to get it. They're not trying to knock it away anymore. And you're seeing TJ Tampa set guys up into throws. You're seeing, I mean, Jeremiah Cooper's doing what he's doing, but he's setting guys up for throws. And now you got some plays that you've seen from Bo. So again, I, I really think a lot of that has to do with this coaching and, and their mentality before the ball goes in the air. And they're going to have some chances on Saturday. If we can put some pressure on him, he'll, he'll still throw the ball down the field. And I think we have some success on Saturday as well with interceptions. If we keep him in the pocket and we make him throw the ball early. You know, and the other thing too is yes, uh, pressure. We talk about getting pressure affecting the quarterback every week, you know, and there are a couple things, you know, that stood out to me in these passing situations for our opponent. We're seeing more of Zach Lovett as being that guy at Blitzer. He, he's the one guy that has been able, when he's been in the game from that linebacker spot or they line him up on the line or they line him up in the middle, wherever, he's the guy that's been consistently able to get some pressure. And, and I think, you know, have we found a pass rusher there? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out more and more as the season goes on. But I would say the returns over the past two or three weeks have been really solid for Zach. That's a great point. And another, another little subtle thing that Matt Campbell and, and John Haycock did last week was they started J.R. Singleton with Onyedem and Peterson, and then they put Dominic Gorge with Trent Jones and Akena Iziagu. And it doesn't matter who starts and who doesn't because they're all going to play the same amount of snaps, but those combinations of three guys I thought were more effective last week than what we had seen the week before. So maybe that little subtle switch uh, of getting those guys paired up correctly can really help that defensive line to to do some positive things too. They can you look at what they what the defensive line did last week? Joey Peterson had some nice pressures in there as well. It freed him up a little bit. They have to be better transitioning from run to pass rush, and and the team knows that. Coach Rashid knows that. They've been talking about it, and I thought we saw that last week. I, I did see more pressure up front from some of our guys, and you know we can't always bring five or six. But a, a big part of this defense, which is confusing. You know, that Emory Jones will even acknowledge is when we drop eight, where do you throw the ball? You know, it makes it really confusing. Or if you bring six or bring five and over blitz them, it feels like they're coming from everywhere. So when we're at our best, when this defense is at its best, they've found a way to get pressure with three or four. And it's it's part of it's just the confusion of they don't know who's coming before the snap. We just have to make sure that we transition to a pass rush quicker versus playing the run. And and again, yeah. if we can do that, it's just this defense is so much better. Another thing, too, we have to tackle better than we did last week in the run game. We had opportunities to make plays. Bo Freeler made. Now, he's a guy that I would say didn't miss any from my perspective. And he cleaned up some plays where we they could have gone to the house. But we, we've got to do a better job. You know, that, that linebacker group and even the safety, other safeties have to do a better job of making the tackle because we heard Coach Haycock yesterday describe you know, Kiner and some of the other running backs. as just like uh, Imani Bailey that we saw last week for TCU, who's a really good back. So we're going to have to make sure, you know, we don't let them get to that second to third level and where they can make that 15 to 25-yard run that they had too many of last week. On Football Saturdays, our John Deere run of the game is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Nothing runs like a deer, especially when supported by the team at Van Wall Equipment the Cyclones' John Deere dealer of choice. I agree with that, and uh, I think as you look at the big picture 
of this Iowa State football season. Cyclones are two and one in the league right now. They're three and three overall. And I think they have a chance to accomplish some really good things with the rest of this season. Now, if they're going to take a step and go accomplish great things the rest of the season, I think the thing that has to emerge is the kind of rush defense that we've seen from John Haycock's defenses through the years. And if this group, and they're young, but if they can get somewhat close to that level where you know, a year ago Iowa State led the Big 12 in rush defense, they're probably not getting there this year, but if they can get a lot closer to the top, then I think there's a really great chance that Iowa State does some super special things the rest of this year. And that's a big ask, but man, I, knowing Coach Haycock and his history, I wouldn't be totally shocked if he was able to find a way to get that rush defense really improved over the next six weeks. Nobody I'd rather have in charge of our defense, for sure. And with Coach Rashid, Coach Vite, Coach Broomfield, Petit, all those guys, I really like that staff. And they're trying to they're trying to get those young players up to speed. you know. And I have great confidence that with each passing game, it's going to get better, and it needs to. But if it does, you're right, John. I mean, there are so many things this team can accomplish yet. You know, we were headed to Oklahoma, and Hark, you and John and I were, were talking, and that was an opportunity game. I said, our season, in large part, is really going to hinge on how do we do these next two games you know, with, with TCU at home and at Cincinnati, uh, and then the bye will worry about whatever's after that later. But these are uh, these two games, and we've won the first one. To me, that's the real measuring stick for this football team. The team that played for the national championship last year at home, you win that one, and then uh, and then the next one, try to get that first road win. If you can accomplish those things, you know, then you are doing all the right things. You are. It's funny we keep saying it like this next game. This is the measuring stick, right? We go to Oklahoma, like, oh wait, this is really gonna be a measuring stick where we're at. We came out of that game. We get we got beat and and pretty soundly. Obviously, on the point on the scoreboard, they were. I mean, Oklahoma played a great game, and they really did. I, I think it's probably the best game and cleanest game they've played all year. But you came out of the game thinking, wait a minute, this offense. I think we got something here. We found some rushing game and a passing game, and then we go to TCU. Okay, I think this is the measuring stick game. We're we're gonna mm-hmm. see what we got. Wait a minute, we found some things here. I think I like what I see. Okay, now we're going to Cincinnati when. And the reason it's every game is such a measuring stick, it's such a young football team, you don't know what they are. And so every week, you're like, wow, what are we going to see when we go to Cincinnati in a hostile environment with a team that's very athletic and, you know, they're really close to Oklahoma. And, you know, what, what are we going to see on this team? And that's exciting about part about this team. But what I told Campbell is I, I think by the end of this year, this may be some of the best work that he's had at Iowa State. I mean, this is similar to 2017 when you got all these young pups out there and you're going to compete on the road and you're – you're having success against teams like TCU at home. And I, it's just unbelievable to me that we're seeing this many kids play this early. I just yeah. I can't comprehend it. I just have never seen it like this, to have this much young talent play this early at this high a level. Well, it, it is encouraging. That's what's great about the big picture of this season is we have come out of each week feeling feel a little bit more encouraged than the week before, maybe with the exception of the trip to Ohio. But there were a lot of circumstances going on that day. But – Guys, it's exciting. Big opportunity for the Cyclones on Saturday. Let's see if they can go get one on the road. Something they haven't done since winning in Kinnick Stadium last year. So this is another big uh, hurdle in the way, and you got to clear it. Yeah, really looking forward to this opportunity. You know, and like Hark was talking about, the measuring sticks, you know, that's one of the things because we, we need to learn more 
every game about who this team is and and hopefully then what they can become. When you have a real veteran team, you pretty much know what you have. You know, but this is one. Okay, what what is the ceiling? You know, and each game may give us a, a glimpse of what the ceiling could be. It is, and that's the exciting thing about this team. It's going to be so fun to watch them on Saturday compete on the road. But this is the next step. They got to win on the road. If you want to be what you want to be, you got to learn to win on the road. And it has been too long, you know. And, and it's not like we haven't had success at Iowa State and Coach Campbell hasn't had success. It just hasn't been recent. And I know these next two games are big, you know. And the bye, I think, lands at a perfect time. And, and I'm excited to see what we can do on the road here on, on Saturday. Today's sidecast was brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Stop by one of their locations and learn how to farm better, work smarter, and play harder when you run with Van Wall and John Deere. Thanks for listening.